like I've been thinking really hard about how elves do have milk, um, but it's uh, crop milk because what, what, what is crop milk like like almond milk? Uh, crop milk is like the kind of thing that certain birds have, um, like when they regurgitate food for their young. Uh, that's what that's part of what that's called. It's crop milk, like pigeons. Why? Do okay, that. but why can't elves just be mammals? Because like, why, why overthink yeah. this? You're over. No, like, they can just be mammals. No, they're derived from reptiles. Elves and why? Anunnaki are the because elves and Anunnaki are the same thing. You you're massively overthinking this. I'm not overthinking this. This is pretty. It makes sense when you think about it. They're not from Midgard. That doesn't. You know who else isn't from Midgard? <laughs> the Anunnaki. <laughs> Firstly, you're massively mixing uh, mythological sources. These aren't mythology. Okay, these are all real. Okay, I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the first time, and after like being a huge movie fan for so many years and having given up on the book like 80 times, and so it's all very fresh in my brain. You're going to have to go deep cut to convince me they're reptilian. Yeah, uh, they lay eggs, mammal. for one thing. They do, no live birds. they do not. They do. They lay eggs on a nest of swords and spears. <laughs> You're ruining all of my Legolas Aragorn fan fiction, okay? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean they still got I mean, I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but you, you can you can still have that fan fiction, mechanically speaking. Okay, well, I mean, if there's any episode where we're going to be talking about like Legolas's, Legolas's junk, then probably going to be this one. I'm um, ready. This is my moment. It's not a cloak. Do not. Okay, that's too far. Okay. What? Legolas has a cloaca because he's a reptile. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is where I thought this podcast was going to be going when I signed up for it. <laughs> where it always goes. How <laughs> I did say terrible in a past life. I uh. use philosophy to arrive at wisdom. Welcome to Death Sentence, everyone. <laughs> uh, we are um, on the line with uh, Kellen. Oh, I should have. I should have asked you how to pronounce your name. Sorry, it, it, it's uh, Sparza. Uh, Spara, but it's fun to hear Spera. you try. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Spara. No I put okay. Pronunciation on my website, but no one looks. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I looked all over your website. I don't. I must have missed that one. But yes, um, uh, you are the author of. Um, the debut novel docile on tour books tour books who we like uh on on first names with the publicist people there because we keep uh, asking for books for them because they they tend to be brilliant they yeah they've been on a super big hot streak i mean obviously they're they're a well well regarded name within the sci-fi sphere and have been and fantasy as well and have been for a very long time but just over the past like three or four years it seems like the the heat has been turned up like significantly high. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, Gideon the Ninth, you know, we, uh, yeah, we kind of, uh, we, we stand that book. <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't This Is How You Lose the Time War also through them? Uh, saga. That was no, saga. D- d- ah. Time War wasn't actually. I'm just looking at it now. It's oh. from JF, uh, an imprint of Quirkus. I don't know what, even what that is, but um, I mean that that I mean it's you'll you'll be forgiven for thinking that because it's like the level of quality that um, Tor are putting out right now. There's also that um, a sense of like a, a a vibe in the way that like say like early Vertigo comics has like a vibe um, that effervesces mm-hmm. off into even places that aren't that obviously are different publishers, but there's like you can point at it or like um c84 within music or like blue note jazz or things like that there seems to be this like and it hovers around tour right now of just this current mood within sci-fi that one of the things i really like about uh tour.com publishing specifically that um constantly gets brought up is that like because they're you know they're under the big tour macmillan um umbrella but because they're the sort of like burgeoning imprint that was like hey we could do novels question mark <laughs> they're um being like they're kind of trying getting away with trying a lot of things that not a lot of other imprints can so my editor uh recounts to me that like when he brought docile to um you know the publisher irene gallo and like some other people at at acquisitions he was like can we publish this i don't know it's got like a lot of banging in it and they were like i mean we're tour.com so who's gonna stop us <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a good like. uh, attitude to have just yeah who is gonna stop us don't ask for forgiveness ask no don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness but probably don't even ask for forgiveness because you know <laughs> but um yeah um yeah so docile in case uh, people haven't been uh hearing the buzz it, it yeah a lot of fucking just fucking sucking fucking lots of it um, oh there's quite a bit yeah yeah um real weird book to listen to on y- your amazon kindle text-to-speech uh thing. <laughs> there is Once such a more. good audio for it just listen to the audiobook <laughs> yeah, I, I had to buy the audiobook just so i wasn't listening to the kindle like it, it's like female like voice that's like a glados from um portal saying like and he had and he put his penis in my ass and so on and, you should have um, said it to like a painful monotone like you know like the like the old text to speech <laughs> things yeah like a kind of uh stephen hawking kind of vibe yeah exactly oh no now i'm doing like a penis in my ass yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> The world's darkest version of that uh, Radiohead album track on uh, OK Computer. <laughs> Fitter, happier, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that album. I um, am Eros, the horny robot. Stop it. <laughs> horny, horny robots are played out. We're going beyond horny it's robots. True. Yeah, this, horny this people is horny, are less common. We're in the 31st century now. Yeah. Black Eyed Peas were right. Um, yeah, so... I mean, we, we've been we've been keeping it kind of light in a moment, but uh, the the subject matter kind of yeah. dark. Bit yeah, dark. kind of. Just yeah. just, just kind of. Like, <laughs> just, I feel yeah. like the thing about this book is that like because it's such an intense and dark and like deep book, you also have to be able to have an incredible like sense of levity about it. Like at the same time, mm-hmm. it's important to sort of acknowledge that we can be both at all times, right? You have to be like. Yeah. 
ha ha dicks and also like oh god dicks <laughs> that that is basically my uh my thought process at any given time and yeah um, i felt a great spiritual union with uh with that sentiment right there i uh i achieved uh oneness in the psychosphere with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah good so, um can we get a um just just do a little synopsis for us here because um uh i mean it's without wanting to diminish it, it, it you can give an elevator pitch for this one it's it's got it's elevator pitchable okay you say that and then i'm gonna talk for like a solid like rambling two or three minutes about what it's about because the author is always like everything is important oh no um <laughs> but uh so docile is set in a near alt future um where debt no longer dies with you but is passed down through the generations and the uh, main characters are elijah wilder a debtor whose family is three million dollars in debt after his mother failed to pay off all of it during her term. And the other main character is Dr. Alexander Bishop III, whose family invented a drug called docilin, which uh, debtors who are called dociles, when they attempt to sell off their debts, um, they can take this drug and it makes them eager to serve and forget what's happening to them. Uh, which is air quotes good for everyone in that sort of dystopian way that things are ever good. Um, mm -hmm. Elijah, however, refuses to take this drug, which is his right because it uh, sort of his mother still feels the effects of it and still acts like a docile, which is to say sort of like smooth and robotic uh, behaving on command, et cetera. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, negotiates a contract with uh, Alex and, once Elijah refuses docilin, Alex is sort of forced to contend with Elijah as a whole person um, while trying to prove that he uh, deserves to continue with the family business under the pressures of the generations that have come before him, his father and grandmother, etc. Um, so yes, there is a lot of fucking in it. Um, but that's just because I, as an author, like to explore themes like consent and agency uh, and debt uh, through lots of fucking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, we forgot to do it at the, at the top of the show, but uh, we should kind of give a little content warning here. We don't generally do content warnings on the show just because, you know, a show called Death Sentence is, you know, you know what you're getting here. But there's a lot of uh, unconsensual acts in this book, and probably if we're going to talk about it in any sort of meaningful way, we're going to have to, like, you know, there's a lot of rape going on in this book. Mm -hmm. and it's uh can get pretty difficult and yeah so content warning at the top here um but yeah it's um it, it, i i it, i did sorry. quite like also how the um the book itself had a brief content warning in the beginning like mixed in with a message of like these are important topics to discuss these are um it it's only very marginally um uh science fictional in that like terrifying uh powerful way of like the notion of debt not being discharged at death has been bandied about by people like already we had um it was actually a joe biden endorsed bill in the 2000s that made student debt no longer discharge 
or be the only uh, one of the few debts that's actually discharged at death, but not through bankruptcy. And there are people that want to expand that. So that part is um, feels like we're on the like, like we're kissing cousins with that part just being true. And then even mm. the stuff with um, uh, Dacillon, it's like, yeah, it was uh, it was giving me uh, goosebumps reading it the whole time because I was just like imagining I'm a big old commie, so I'm just sitting here being like these rich vampiric fucks definitely want this to be real. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, but that's like the sort of thing, right? Where yeah. you know, my I I paid off my uh, student loans very recently thanks to selling a book about the evils of student loans, um, but. Oh. Um, but you know, before that, my loans were sold without my consent to multiple different companies with different payment plans. Uh, you know, over the course, you know, many times over the years, and uh, it just seems like a natural step that I hope never happens. And I do like sort of want to clarify that, like <clears throat> everyone always says, like this feels two minutes in the future, which you know the setup of the book does feel two minutes in the future. But like when I write, most of my work is what I would call near future but i mean that in a very sort of like near future is an alternate future just like alternate history is like a separate timeline right like i'm sort of taking um the pieces of uh history and future speculation that work best to sort of like bring out my themes it's very cold and calculating on my behalf as an author and people are always like there's a deep reason for this and i'm like no uh, this is a pocket universe. I hope we never enter, um, but is not real. Uh, so let's keep it that way. Yeah. Um, hmm. And I, I, I just, I, I thought it was um, really wonderful to see, like, these are clearly very important and very contemporaneous themes that hmm. should be discussed. But also, you know, here's a little warning in case, like, there is, um, in case it perhaps breaches a little bit too far. I see some weird um, equivocating even from other like artists and creators who get sometimes like a little touchy about content warning stuff. And it's like, no, it's, it's fine. No one's like, it's, this is a good example of like, no, you can employ it. You can still make your stuff. It's just no one's yeah. not going to unduly, uh, unduly uh, traumatize someone in the way that isn't the way that you're intending. Like there's an intentional intensity vector that you want. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you don't want that, that other one that would just kind of make you into a dick. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I know that it's like intense and I don't want anyone to like unintentionally read through and become hurt in a way yeah. that I don't, I don't want that to happen. And when we, um, when we uh, were starting the early sort of like marketing phase of the book and my editor proposed that uh, motto that's on the front cover, the tagline, there is no consent under capitalism. I was like, this is perfect because it sets the tone of like the social issues and also that there is a lot of non-consensual um, like interactions from like, you know, from sex to non-sexual uh, between lots of different people. And at first I was like, this is good. This sets the tone. Hmm. Um, I believe in this. And then there was some like kick up on the social medias. Uh, about content warnings and I sent him a frantic DM like do you think also is this enough should we like maybe also put an actual content warning on the back cover um, so we decided to put that there as well yeah I was thinking of that uh, the tagline I, 10 years ago like I, I was in uh, the publishing world probably about 10 years ago now 
and that would have never flown even at a um even at somewhere like Tor. And it's kind of a testament to how how much people can have moved on with being able to criticize capitalism that we can like go into a bookstore and see a <coughs> relatively mainstream sci-fi book with a criticism of capitalism straight there on the front cover. Yeah, I um Oh dang, I totally <laughs> I totally just lost capitalism <laughs> say. Um yeah, I I do think that like Tor is in like sort of a unique position, but also when you decide to go like sort of behind it full force. I think um for example, did you all uh do you all know uh Gideon the Ninth? I mean, I feel like who doesn't? Oh, yeah. Oh we, yeah. We've yeah. had um Tamsin yeah. on the on the yeah, show before. And probably, you know, they're both wonderful, her and the book. Um, and I think I've either read her say this or we talked about it uh, in person, but how she was saying like, you know, I thought maybe like the whole lesbian thing might be like played down, but they were like, nope, leaning into the lesbians. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like if you can't like, if you're going to buy these books where it's just like these aspects are like so in your face, the way to really like put them out there is to just lean into them, you know, emphasize that this is what you're writing. Do it. Yeah. I mean, even down to the, the cover design, it looks like a fashion magazine. You know, oh, yeah. It, it, it's going to uh, stick out like a sore thumb in a sci-fi section. And we'll probably get moved that. to literary section just on that basis. And, uh, I like that it sticks out in sci-fi, though, because then it's like, right. yeah, it, yeah, and it I, should. I I absolutely loved the the design for this. In fact, that's part of the um, that's part of why I think like uh, this is how you lose the time war got slotted in um in my in my brain with because that's mm. that feels like part of the uh like if you had to name some of the minor characteristics of this current sort of vibe that naming it would be stupid because that's not really the, um, even Let's when I'm trying to just sci-fi. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, just, yeah, there's like the little, the way that it attenuates it, like just the right amount and in just the right direction. It's just, like the way that um, there is no consent uh, under capitalism, not just the phrase, but also like the typesetting for it, how it lays over the mm -hmm. image. I was like, fuck, this is a very that's very well put together book. Like, uh, you have the hardcover. Frozen and... story was also good, but uh, like that's <laughs> that's the main meat. But it was just like the amount of love and attention paid to like every little mm -hmm. detail. If you have the hardcover, you can all the words on the front are raised, including the tagline. And nice. if you take the jacket off, um, if you take the jacket off, the spine has this gorgeous uh, rose gold like metal foil, um on the spine that says docile and there's so much in this book that like the aesthetic is the opposite of what i assume death sentences aesthetic is uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. uh but that's like the sort of um baltimore uh high like preppy uh fashion with you know on steroids and the like colors like this road rose gold navy blue hot hot pink guys wearing like salmon slacks with also like canary yellow and lavender like this is a thing i've seen with my own human eyes in the real future <laughs> oh yeah i love the fashion in this book like oh, yeah. in, in some books it comes off as like a um it comes off as part of the critique of capitalism like in i don't know american psycho or something Mm -hmm. In here, it seems like you're actually having fun dressing up these little dolls and putting, mm -hmm. the, putting all their clothes on. 
and it and it, it doesn't like i mean yeah they, they do look kind of preppy and they, i wouldn't dress like that in real life because it's not entirely black but um <laughs> it's uh yeah, it, I had a lot of fun imagining all, all these people's outfits and their apartments and all their um, yeah, the 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 visuals inside the book are very are very very good. I um am not normally the kind of person who like digs super into fashion and decoration when I write. Like I consider like I'm very character focused, so uh, I'll have two people having like a very intense conversation, and like for all I know, they're naked in a white room. Like. <laughs> Um, but for this book, I was really able to sort of bring that out because it was an aesthetic that I grew up around, uh, not in my like personal, like not in my family and sort of like a neighborhood necessarily, but like I went to a, a private Baltimore school um, and uh, that was it. But a thing that I do really like about that, though, is that um, like men's fashion in both the book and tied to sort of like this actual fashion is that there's not that aspect of like toxic masculinity for like the guys must all wear man colors. It's very much mm, like yeah. dudes in pink pants is like masculine. And I'm like, thank you. I like pink. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get your flower there's, on. There's a lot of pastels, a mm -hmm. lot of yeah, salmon, a lot of pinks. And yeah, it, it's visually very rich. And I really like that about it. Um, so, uh, oh God, what was I going to ask? Uh, I, should write, I should actually write down questions at some point. Um, <laughs> no pressure. But, uh, going, going back a little to the, um, to like the content warnings and how it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's content basically. Has there been any pushback just yet? Has there been any call outs of you or, um, of the book or if people said it's been problematic or anything so far? Oh, I don't read any of that. If there is, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I like one of the things I'm, I'm going to get into that in a second. Um, but one of the things that you don't necessarily think about, uh, about having a book out, I mean, everyone says, you know, don't read reviews, but when you are working hard to create a piece of art, you know, you're not just doing it so you can hang it on your own fridge you're doing it so that you can share it with people. Um, and like you contracts are so long that, you know, I signed mine in 2018. It's been a long build up until now. You know, first we send it out to people to blurb, then like authors, some authors who are friends get to read it and then arcs go out. And so you get this sort of like very select feedback, um, which is all promotional. And you're just desperate to hear anyone talk about your book that you have had to keep quiet for so long um, <clears throat> and I feel like a lot of authors like really search it out and they're like, I'm fine. I read all my good reviews. I look at Amazon. I like search my name on the internet and Twitter. I have a, you know, Google alert. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I know that like, I'm writing a book that, um, I know I'm writing a book that is intense. Um, and, I published um, short fiction before this, and I have a novelette called Small Changes Over Long Periods of Time, which is about a gay trans guy who's bitten by a vampire, and his body changes differently um, <clears throat> than a cis person might, and he chooses to sort of like, when I say stay with the vampire, I don't mean like 
romantically, but like literally stay in his apartment and like uh, consult him as sort of a mentor type. And they fuck a lot too, because it's me. <laughs> um, but, you know, when that story was nominated for the Hugo, it was emailed out to everyone on the Hugo voting list for free which means people who wouldn't necessarily read that read it. And I saw all the feedback and I was like, wow, people really think that characters are supposed to make the right choices all the time and be like completely uncomplicated. And, you know, I was sort of got flack for, you know, people would say like, oh, being bitten non-consensually, that's like rape. And this character stays with his rapist. And I was like, that's not at all what's going on. But like, okay, you're allowed to have that interpretation, but don't include me in it. So I learned then not to read that kind of stuff because it really can get to you. So um, <clears throat> I know and I'm sure that like people are going to have strong negative reactions. I do not seek them out. I do not look at them. Um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, for me, it's important to show this like hard, messy stuff because I think that that's true to life. Um, I, I'm really was not into like the sort of media story where it's like hot, hot rich prince or whatever falls in love with like young, sexy popper and they run off together. I mean, it's really actually quite hard to leave your family and your whole life and everything you know, um, especially with immense amount of privilege baked into your the core of your being. And like when you're surrounded by it all the time, you know, um, and Elijah, too, you know, he doesn't make a lot of the quote unquote right choices either um, when he's sort of like you often see the hero like approached by a band of rebels and they're like, yes, I will do the right thing and tear down the establishment. You know, people aren't running through the streets of <clears throat> uh, docile's Baltimore sort of like bringing out trillionaires into the street and like guillotining them. It's not necessarily, um, it's not an, I, it's not, it's not a novel that is what I think an ideal would be. It is a novel of what I think emo what is emotionally true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely got that from it. Um, I mean, I, I really dug how Alex was, I mean, Alex especially was a, like a, he started out as a complete monster. Like he was totally horrible in the first probably half of the book. And I don't want to give away what happens in the second half. So let's just concentrate on the first half. He He was entirely a product of his environment. You could tell that from the get-go. But at the same time, that that environment turned him into a, a well, a rapist, uh, just a, a absolutely terrible, terrible person. And um, yeah, he um, and uh, that didn't make the the poor folks in Elijah's community even better. I mean, his his father is a real piece of work. Yeah. Uh, Probably one of no the one's few. Really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone in this story. Um, yeah, they're all a bunch of horrible people. What are you doing? No, um, I mean, I the thing is that like there is this sort of um, I it's I sort of hesitate like around how to talk about this. I think this is where people have like their sort of strong opinions. For me, as the author, it's interesting to see, and I ask this question sort of like when I go to do events at bookstores and on panels, um, it's interesting to me to see who 
readers are willing to forgive and who they aren't willing to forgive because mm-hmm. um, I'll speak sort of um, obtusely for those who have not read the book, but there are two characters <clears throat> um, who are both ostensibly uh, trillionaires and um, and they uh, do different things with their power and money. Mm-hmm. And I know who uh, you're talking about. Yep. 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 And <laughs> people are very quick to warm up to um, one of them and very instantly condemning of the other. Um, but, you know, they both came up through pretty challenging circumstances. And, you know, it's one of those things like, how, how do you hold it against somebody who survived? what they did um, to sort of play out their own path. Um, and like Alex and Elijah, you know, it's easier to root for Elijah than it is to root for Alex, as you've seen. But I, I do want, I wrote all of my characters in such a way that I want people to see themselves in everyone. You know, there's, <clears throat> you know, there's, you know, Alex, I know people that think, things that Alex thinks. And I don't think of those people as monsters because they're not analogs, right? I mean, it's that sort of thing that gets baked into our, us as it's programming and, you know, it makes you not a great person a lot of the time, but I have to believe sort of that, like people have the capability to change. And I don't like, um, I don't like redemption arc as like a term because i don't think there's any one thing that anyone can do to redeem themselves like ah you've passed go here's your 200 dollars. you're a good person now i think that most people are morally gray especially if you are in their heads so claustrophobically um that you can hear everything they think before they say it (laughs) um and you know i think that there is a path to self-improvement and you know like i know that you know Growing up, there are things that I picked up from my environment um, at school and at social events and at home and from the news that I do not believe at all now, but like still have worked sort of like every day to, you know, not believe now. And um, I also, you know, have the aspects of Elijah where it's like, you know what it's like to be so frustrated and so stuck that like there is almost no choice at all. And so I want people to see themselves sort of like in the plethora of characters for better or for worse. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we'll, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to probably talk about consent a lot more in the second half. Uh, so go, yeah, we'll all get canceled. And, um, <laughs> but first uh, we're going to play some music. Um, me and Langdon originally decided we're going to play uh, miserable uh, for this episode, but a friend of mine is um, in some is in a sticky situation currently. Um, so uh, the, Sarah from the band Smolder uh, used to be my editor when I wrote for a, a music magazine in Canada. So obviously she knows uh, real suffering because she's had to read my prose when I've put stuff together like 3am after a music festival. But, uh, but her band was touring in Greece and the a lockdown came down. Because uh, that's our lives now, and yep. I think <laughs> last, her last update, she managed to get back to London, but then she's still locked down, and the band are in like 
different places around the world trying to get back to Canada. It's a whole fucked up situation. So I, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm I'm in a I'm in a Facebook um, group called True Metal Steel Posting um, <laughs> uh, that nice. that has a lot of the members of Smolder and they've been giving little updates about their situation and it's not even just dealing with the lockdown it's also this has been happening to a lot of um gig oriented artists so things like musicians where they'd had tours booked out for let's say like two three months worth of touring and touring is enormously expensive we get this weird narrative that like oh it's um it's fine to not necessarily buy the record if you go instruments in the back of your van and back of a van and just go or even like it's fine not necessarily to buy um records so long as you see them on tour because the tour is where they really make their money that's also not necessarily always true there's it's like a sine wave more than like a, a clear like linear progression of money made on tour um because a lot of it's like you're paying to book out certain venues or you're paying to get your uh your stuff um moved like literally like your instruments in the case of smolder getting their instruments because they're from canada and they had to get their instruments they don't have they're not like uh so bigger bands will have like a locker in europe where they have all of their european gear and they don't have to ship it that's just in europe Smolder doesn't fucking have that, so they had to pay to ship their stuff to Greece, which is oodles of money. You then have to figure out what your lodging is going to be, what's your food, all that kind of... So it's... And you're doing this for months and paying a lot of it up front. And then with all of it canceled, it's not just that they get locked down, it's that they don't get that money back either. So they're... Mm. So then mechanically, the way you get back home, because we live, you know, we live under the uh, iron yoke of capitalism... They're not being flown home free either. And all their money went into a tour that's now not happening. So it's it's not just Smolder, but Smolder's a really good. Oh, yeah. Tons um, of bands are happening. Um, yeah. uh, Lingua Gnota was going to play uh, Roadburn, which has been canceled. Uh, and, and, and she has a uh, uh, surgery coming up, which is part of what yeah, a lot of that yeah. money was going to be going to, um, which yeah, she uh, disclosed and her um, uh, friends of hers disclosed afterwards of like, yeah, this was obviously being kept quiet for um you know normal sort of privacy of health reasons but now that it's not happening like please help hmm. yeah so have you all read uh sarah pinsker's song for a new day i'm not i'm not i'm gonna look, i'm gonna add that to my uh it's about um it's a it's another near future novel but it's about like a world where sort of beginning with a pandemic and ending with like um sort of threat of like bomb violence etc um like there are these sort of like laws against public gathering and it is about a musician and a young girl uh who is like getting a job in the new music industry which is all sort of like hologram based and it's about like underground music uh in baltimore and a few other places and like how musicians try to survive and like keep live music going um, when these laws are enacted. And it's just so relevant to right now that like she's getting tagged and like everything on Twitter. Um, If you haven't read it, it's a little uh, topical. So prepare yourself, but it's Mm -hmm. excellent. I'm going to add that to my, it also got nominated for a Nebula, which is a big deal. Um, And she's like a musician. So we're good friends. So (laughs) it's a solid rack. 
when did that come out? We might. That sounds like it could be an episode. Is my my came like, out last year? Brain, um, okay, my capitalist brain is turning, and I'm like, oh, I can turn that into content. It came out <laughs> in September. Well, look, we got it. We got to monetize our gigs, right? We all we all yeah. live under this fucking iron yoke. Um, <laughs> exactly. And but, hey, uh, I'm, I'm off work for the next two weeks. Um, I'm on lockdown. I'm I'm officially can't go into my office, so I've got to do something. I'm, I'm um, not. But, I'm service industry, so I get to go and work every day during this shit. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, Cough uh, on some boomers. Unfortunately, that's sort. Uh, I mean, we. I was talking to some people about this. We can't necessarily disable our um our service work, especially during a quarantine, because let's say someone runs out of uh, fried or frozen food. They run out of toilet paper. They run out of toothpaste. You know, they run out of acetaminophen. Like you have to be able to get that stuff, especially during this. And that means that someone has to be able to sell it to you. And so unfortunately, um, ironically, those are the places that also come under the most routine contact with people. So they're some of the highest risk for, uh, significantly higher risk for exposure than say an office worker, but they are precisely the fields that can't shut down. Um, uh, capitalism sucks ass. It's bad. Um, yeah. And, but back um, to smolder smolder is also fucking great. Um, their debut record rightfully got put on a bunch of end of year lists. They put out an EP afterwards that got a little bit of a quieter reception, but is exactly as good. Um, yeah, uh, this is, that's this one. Dream quest ends. Yeah, they're also working on a new album, and that's probably going to be stupid great, too. Oh, yeah, Just... definitely, definitely get them on the show. Um, Sarah's lovely. Um, yeah, all great people. Yeah, so, she's um... active on um, uh, Banger TV, which is the exactly. metal channel that Sam Dunn put together. He's the guy who did, like, Metal Ahead Banger's Journey and a whole bunch of other stuff. He made the Rush documentary uh, Behind the Lighted Stage. They're, they're great. That whole mm -hmm. crew is really great. Yeah, so we're going to play the second track off that album, uh, EP, uh, Warrior, Witch of, Warrior Witch of Hell. Uh, yeah, it, it slaps. Yeah, it's just so fucking good. perfect. Listen to that title, Warrior Witch of Hell. Also, their covers just look like Frank Franzetta. Oh, yeah, so she's a huge Franzetta fan. Um, yeah. Massive. <laughs> you and, can and tell. Kind of shows. But, uh, yeah, not as pervy as Frank Franzetta. So... Um, it's hard yeah. to be, to be fair. Yeah. That man I, was terminally horny. He probably died from jacking <laughs> off. That's going to happen to a lot of us. But um, yeah. anyway. Yeah, the corona um, is going to kill a lot of people with heart problems. <laughs> so anyway, here's, here's Warrior Witch of Hell by Smolder.
doing my my pre-content stretches. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> okay. Get your lunges in. Yeah, I'm gonna get so fit during uh during the Rona because well, I've been um, doing lunges this whole time. You guys haven't been also working out. The burpees. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm oh, constantly yeah. fucking cranking weight over here. I just that's that's <laughs> why I go silent sometimes. Something. Look, Whoa. a man's got to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> Cranky, your hog. Um, Eyes on the prize. <laughs> you sound like Nicolas Cage there for a second. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, right. So yeah, we're here with uh, Kellen Spara from uh, the book Docile. Uh, so yeah, we we should probably talk about consent because um, I mean it's it's kind of there. It's it's very baked into the story. And very, very, um, it's there from the, the cover onwards. I think uh, even referring to it as like a latent theme would make it less actively pursued by the text or make it sound like it's less actively pursued than it ac- actually is. Like it's it's not just present, it feels like it's a very actively pursued vector. Yeah, the, you, the reader is constantly saying... Well, maybe not constantly, but often with big decisions by the characters, you often saying to yourself, is this person really doing what they want to do? Are they really consenting to this? And that even counts for people like Alex, who has an immense amount of power, who is literally a trillionaire, who has mm-hmm. a, has 10 times more money than um, Jeff Bezos at minimum. Um yeah, so just like staggering amounts of money and power. Um, yeah, and we. So yeah, how how do you how do you st- start conceptualizing what consent is in this book, and therefore like in real life? Where does that? Where do your ideas on that start? So, one of the questions I'm so frequently asked is, you know, oh, how did you come up with this? What was your inspiration? And the answer is always about a hundred different things. Um, but one of them is that uh, <clears throat> I was having a chat with a friend who was getting married, and we were talking about uh, taking um, taking your husband's last name. And you know, this is one of the many things that, like, I believe that people should do whatever they want. If you want to take your spouse's last name, if you want to make up a new name, if you want to hyphenate, like do what do what brings you the most happiness you know i support you <clears throat> but the notion of like taking your husband's name is a, an assumed default um so <clears throat> it's a thing that a lot of people i think do without thinking about it lots of people do it with thinking about it good on them i love those people um but like so there are so many like sort of decisions that are almost made for people because of these defaults um, that we were having this conversation and it sort of became like, oh no, have we ever chosen to do anything on purpose ever? Uh, not really sure. Um, and so that was sort of one of the uh, aspects that like sent me going um, along the sort of paranoid track of, are we really making any choices? Um, from there, like, you know, there's this sort of uh, calculating authorial um, ability of just sitting down and being like, all right, where is all the tension between everyone? And what would be the worst? What would make everyone feel the worst? Um, So 
Yeah, I mean, I did want to sort of posit this notion that um, <clears throat> people like um, Alex and Elijah are both sort of trapped in different ways. Um, I didn't want to do it in such a way that like it becomes like very like, oh, poor Alex. He's so rich and it's not his fault. Like, I mean, it is his fault. Like, but also, <laughs> but also, you know, there are specific expectations and there are consequences for not meeting them. Um, and, you know, for Elijah, um, there is a, there is an entity in the docile world called Empower Maryland. And they are intentionally not like a rebel group, but they're sort of like an activist organization that has a lot of um, obvious aid that they do, like um, providing clothes and uh, groceries and things like that for people who uh, are struggling. But they also try to help get people out of debt. And, you know, for Elijah, he's very much just trying to survive and help his family. Um, but he is approached by them, you know, to sort of say like, hey, you could like also actually help everyone by helping us. Um, and there's just sort of another place there where it's like, <laughs> does is he once again like being used um, by someone who is ostensibly good, you know, in air quotes. Um, mm. And so just sort of surrounding everyone by impossible, with impossible <laughs> decisions um, and putting them in places where, you know, their choice. The sort of takeaway that I want people to have from the book is that even though so many choices are sort of made for us by default, um, in the end, like we're all just doing the best we can and you have to sort of accept what someone says. Like, that's why I say, you know, I absolutely support someone who is making a choice to, um, do something that might be considered traditional. Um, if like they're thinking it through because the opposite is just everyone forcing against the grain all the time, you know, which is going to make some people unhappy. Like, I mean, all of our choices are tainted by society and by programming that's been set in us. Um, when Elijah is sort of, um, I'll speak obtusely again, but there is sort of a, a portion where he is trying to figure out who he is and he has to tell people like, um, this this is what I know. This is what I like. It doesn't, it can't matter to me necessarily that someone else gave me those interests necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to do X, so I'm going to do it. Should I hate X because, you know, it was given to me by this corrupt system? Like, I don't know. But for now, just kind of let me be happy. So, um, you know, that the aspect of consent, and obviously I haven't talked about sex at all in what I just said. Mm -hmm. um, it comes up in that too, but like in our sort of daily goings on, that's how I went about like permeating the novel with it. Hmm. It yeah, actually maybe. reminds me a lot of, um, it reminds me a lot of uh, how I'm going to do it boys. Uh, it reminds me a lot of how Hegel approaches those same kinds of questions regarding how we construct history. Um, I don't want to fly too deep into the weeds on that <laughs> one, but just that, that is at least the loose description of how, um, Hegel outlines like the dialectical process and how Marx extracted that for dialectical materialism, you know, to point towards socialism of like, we can't, 
if we think that we're going to have a revolutionary utopia, um, it it isn't going to arise ab nihilo. Like we're not going to get that. That like causally can't exist. Like there's a lot of very obvious mechanical reasons why it won't just be like you'll wake up tomorrow and the world will be perfect. Instead, it has it necessarily must be through breakage and attenuation um, of of something that like we inherited that's kind of kind of deeply fucked and that that attenuation process is the more important thing and it just starts like oh i, mean, I really like this quite a bit <laughs> i don't i i will admit right up front that i don't get almost most of what you just talked about not that i don't understand no one ever does <laughs> um but you know it's part of this thing where it's like um when my book was uh I think maybe when the cover or the the hard copies came in for the first time and they were tweeted about, um, <clears throat> there were some responses um, from some right-wingers who were like, uh, oh, well, no consent under capitalism. I bet you're selling your book. And I'm like, well, I am selling my book. I didn't invent capitalism. I just live here. <laughs> like, I also have to pay my bills. Um, I can't just say, like, I don't think money should be real, so I'm not going to pay my rent. <laughs> would I would live nowhere. You know, like, I have a job at a law firm. Like, it's not, like, um, it's not a job that's necessarily, like, saving humanity, but um it's healthy for me it allows me uh space to write i like the people i work with i have health insurance you know and <clears throat> that's one of those things where it's like this is you know i'm not doing exactly what i want to do i would love to write full time <laughs> um but i cannot afford that because we live in a system where you have to have money to pay for things um and writing doesn't pay that much so you know i accept that i will have kind of job because it is what gets me through like the sort of thing you can't like hold yeah. that against you can't hold having to have a job with health insurance like against someone who needs that kind of support like just to survive um there are people who are doing work uh, very specifically um that are great uh real advocates and um we should support those people i don't think that it is fair though to expect everyone to sort of like you know, give up their safety net um, when they're trying to make it through, just like Elijah. Well, I, I was I was bringing this up more in the context of um, that. Sometimes we get presented this sort of uh, this notion or this teleology that like ideas come from big, big brain thinker dudes. And then it filters down into the real world where lay people get to use that. And that's not. Um, and that winds up making things like philosophy or theory much less approachable. I think that I, I see the parallel in like, you know, the obviously the the flightiness of like a Hegel and Marx um, in, in the stuff that you're doing more because uh, the reality of where that comes from is uh, we we all can encounter these thoughts and they get translated into different, you know, language and formal sets. And so in one area you know, people run into the thought and they're like, well, I normally do theory, so I'm going to write it the way that I would write it, which is theory. And then you're having um, near identical parallel thoughts, just it's it's emerging through this. And it's like, oh, I love this. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very few thoughts are new. Um, yeah. but the characters are what make them different. And the sex is what makes it fun.
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, not all the sex in this book is fun. Uh, Most just of it out, but, uh, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was one of the things. I mean, that was one of the things when when I was listening to this on my Kindle, listening to the, like robot voice talk say. I mean, the sex scenes. I mean, the, the I, let's call them what they are. The, the rape scenes that are in the early part of this book. They were described very erotically. It was, it was sexy writing. Um, I mean, I you know, used this, this was consensual then. I use the term sex scene like to describe the fact that I'm writing a literal like sexual Mm, um, body part like encounter um, and not as like a value judgment of what's happening. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Just to clear that up. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of the things that was um, an interesting sort of point when we were getting ready to put promotional chapters on tour.com. So you can read like the first six chapters free on there. The first eight chapters are actually part of the free preview, but legal wouldn't let us put the butt sex on tour.com. <laughs> so you can only get that through like the free ebook of chapters one through eight. And my editor and I were discussing what kind of content warning we would put um, on the like free online text at a point when we thought the sex was still going to go up. And like, to be honest, like I felt uncomfortable um, labeling. And that first scene is like very clearly like Elijah's like, he just raped me. Like it's a thing that he says out loud on the page. And then he wonders like, did he like I signed a consent form and he has this whole back and forth with with himself. It's very explicit in the text, but like it, it almost like for me as the author, it's one thing to put a content warning or to make a statement about the sexual content on the book as a whole, but to sort of like go through scene by scene and tag it and make a value judgment as the author almost feels like I'm taking away Elijah's agency once again. Like, you know, he has this journey over which he is allowed to call things what they mean to him. And that's like really Mm -hmm. important to me, even though I realize I am him because I'm writing him. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, it almost felt like we're doing it to him again. Like, we're calling his actions things that, like, he hasn't labeled them yet. Like, let him have his emotional journey. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the people, people who don't get this book and the people who are going to be canceling you are probably the people who um, are not willing to give Elijah, this you know, totally fictional character that exists entirely in your head, mm. are not willing to give him the agency that he kind of deserves or should have or, or would have if this was real life. Like, um, I'm, I'm thinking a lot of, because um, it was in the news quite recently, um, what's his name? Roman, Roman Polanski. Uh, horrible bastard, uh, should go to prison. But his... Um, one underreported aspect of his case was that the the 13-year-old girl who he raped in the 70s has grown up and she now forgives him. She just straight up um she says, Yes, I, I was raped, that was terrible, but I, I forgive him for what he did. And um and she doesn't I I may begin this wrong, but she doesn't want any further court stuff she doesn't want a a legal stuff to go on in in future she just wants it all all done yeah and i feel like you really have to like respect like 
you have to respect survivors journeys right mm. like you wouldn't walk up if you're any kind of decent person you wouldn't walk up to someone like that and be like no you have to think x y and z mm. like, yeah, exactly. like you're just or, hurting like, them more like let people process in their own time in their own way and come to their conclusions you know hopefully they're utilizing and like getting like any emotional support they need resources therapy if they want it like but i mean like a person's process is important to them and like robbing them of that is something that like people try to do to Elijah. And I don't want to do that either. Sort of like as the author, which I know sounds extremely meta, but like is true. Well, I mean, it also reflects sort of an inherent thing about, about fiction that I think some, uh, I not think I strongly feel a lot of people get wrong. They want, and not for undue reason, they want, answers to moral questions because they are pressing moral questions that cause us a lot of angst and suffering. And, you know, we want, we want some forward traction on that. That's, that's fair to want, but then that desire sometimes leads people to truncate moral calculus into moral arithmetic. And sometimes even, Mm -hmm. even further into like, no, just give me the answer. Is this good or bad? And trying to tell people like, well, that's not, that's not what fiction is. Fiction is about the process, not the answer. If it was just about the answer, then reading a Wikipedia article or a brief summary of a book would be the exact same as reading the book. And we all know that it's not because it is the process of the book unfolding. It's it, uh, the process itself of the book unfolding is the book. Likewise, like the, the mulling over the question is the point of it. Like, if you were to just go, no, this is what happened to Elijah at the end. It's like, that's not, that's clearly not the thing that you're addressing. You're addressing the process itself. And it, it's frustrating to run into people who don't really seem to get that because it feels like, again, like you aren't even inventing that, that movement. That's how, <laughs> that's how books work. Like, that's, that's what books are. Um, work yeah i mean it's another question i always get is um you know oh do you have plans for a sequel and you know unless somebody wants to margaret atwood me and like pay me a a million dollars uh after like i have a successful hulu series you know in 20 years or whatever um the answer to that is no and um a lot of the reason for it is like specifically because like i don't I don't know how to fix it, right? Like there's no consent under capitalism is an assertion that I am pointing out, like, ex- you know, I'm I'm giving, I'm supporting that, like by showing how things are bad and like impossible situations and terrible choices. And I don't know how to fix capitalism though, or else <laughs> I would have already. <laughs> um, I wouldn't just be like writing this book. Um, so, you know, it's a sort of like, I'm not going to give people the answers, not only because I don't have them, because, you know, I don't know what happened. Don't those boys just, like, deserve curtain fic for the rest of their days? Like, can they not just relax? They've had enough drama. (laughs) Get a million-dollar sequel. Just make it a a, a coffee coffee shop AU. And just chill in in a coffee shop for the rest of the day. I want them to, like, go to be picking out curtains. And like decorating a cute apartment somewhere. Here's a pitch for a great spinoff. It's a jet ski race. 
characters <laughs> aren't the same. Uh, there's no connection to the previous book. It's <laughs> technically in the same world, though. So technically, it's a sequel. Right. But it's just <laughs> about right. a fun jet ski race. <laughs> like, yeah, a million dollar jet ski race in Monte Carlo. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. You know what? You should write this fan fiction and not send me the link to it. For legal yeah, reasons, okay. it influences me, and I'm inspired to write a jet ski uh, sequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dracula? Question mark. Look, Dracula's. Uh, I, mean, I, public I am domain. writing a. I am writing a vampire novel. Third. Yes. Really? Tell tell us more. That that's one of our main uh, concerns <laughs> on the on the site is Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so. Um, so that novelette I was talking about earlier, uh, small changes over long periods of time, um, that is going to be, I don't want to say novelized because I'm not writing like a longer version of the same story. Um, like a so, then. Well, I'm writing uh, eight weeks later. So uh, ah. Finley Hall is the name of the protagonist and he does turn into a vampire, spoiler, <laughs> and um, is like sort of given... Uh, eight weeks of unpaid leave by work because he like didn't fill out the proper forms in advance. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know I was going to be bitten by a vampire. You capitalist like nightmares. So um, the novel is, uh, is set like eight weeks later, he's going back to work and um, he becomes sort of torn uh, while trying to like get his life together um, as a new vampire. He becomes torn between um, wanting to like keep living, you know, as a trans person, he's worked very hard to like get, you know, his name changed and his gender change and like get all this paperwork in order so that he can like keep up a job and like just sort of be air quotes normal um, and live like an above ground life. And he has this like vampire sire now whom he calls his uh, vampire daddy. And <laughs> his nice. ancient vampire daddy is like, I have all these old friends um, who have sort of like a queer separatist vibe going on. Like we're vampires. We don't have to follow like the rule of the land, (laughs) Um, but they also have hierarchical blood bonds. So like, he is not really sure what he thinks about that. So it's sort of this millennial like vampire novel, like him being torn between these two different like generational, like life aspirations. Um, and figuring things out from there. I haven't written it yet, so I can't tell you anymore. <laughs> sounds good, though. I'm, yeah, I'm liking sounds... Vampire <laughs> really Daddy. Uh, I mean, title Vampire Daddy works for me, at least. I'll, I'll take that to my end. <coughs> that can be truncated to Vaddy. Ooh. I'm well, how, about, how about Vladdy? Like Vlad, Vlad Tepes? No? I think uh, I've okay, heard that, that before. I think that's like a solid and existing title. Good. Wow. <laughs> I willed it backwards uh, through time, actually, just now. So this uh, okay. is actually the first time it was said, but then, you know, it it echoed forward and backward. Yeah, the, the okay. lake of heaven is very time complex. Travel, a time travel discord. Uh-huh. If you think hard enough, the crystal in your mind can send <laughs> thoughts back in time, even to dinosaurs. That's Ooh. how they died. Shit. <laughs> yeah. All the... Uh, Twitter threads about um, and posts about eating ass went back to the dinosaurs, and dinosaurs all died of um, like various stomach diseases from eating ass. They weren't uh-huh. prepared for it. It wasn't part of their like b- 
biological ecosystem. We yeah. introduced that. Exactly. They didn't have the gut flora and fauna in order to properly process uh, astrums. Gut mm -hmm. flora is just the best word. I know. It's, it's, it's like you got the like, ooh, gut, then flora. Uh, it's, it's really, I it's think... Like, I think about that bit in Swamp Thing where he emerges through someone's gut flora and bursts them <laughs> apart like a balloon all the time. <laughs> all the time. Do you all, I think about that uh, bit where he... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, do you all uh, follow the relationships uh, subreddit like on Twitter? Uh, relation yes, very much yeah. so. Uh, I don't, but one my partner guy. does, which means that I do. This <laughs> is kind yeah. of one of those things where... There's yeah. some guy and he like wrote in no no uh his partner wrote in to say that her her boyfriend doesn't wash his dick and he calls it the penis flora like he doesn't want to disturb the penile flora and i was like that is not a thing my dude you've got to wash your dick now i respect that it's wrong and <laughs> gross but the man the man is committed to uh, a bio neutral existence uh he's wrong morally <laughs> as well but you know gotta respect Dick the game not Switzerland. it's not neutral you must wash it no i, I i'm kind of i kind of <laughs> like it i mean it, he he's like he's invented his own little like alternate biology to explain why he doesn't wash his dick he's not just one of these guys like oh washing's gay i don't washing sucks he's invented his own no separate biology no Dick that guy was classic the guy the guy who doesn't wipe his ass because wiping your ass is gay that was amazing. That was incredible. <laughs> I was okay. up to never a true about it. And I'm still not sure it works that way. But I'm, you know, that's so insane. I'm willing to entertain it. Like, <laughs> it's like you're you're saying what now? Like you you hear you something that's it. just absolutely so fucking ass backwards. You are gay. <laughs> no pun intended. I was I was I was full on tilt there. I was like, what the, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> Bro led skift mark, skid marks on the bed. And the, the <laughs> absolutely saintly response of, could you please wipe your ass? We have skid marks on the bed now, which is way more polite than you need to be in that situation. Gets responded to with a temper tantrum and shouting, do you think I'm gay? Which is a wild response to could you wipe your ass? And then having her go, why is that your response? And he's like, because my dad told me that anything that goes between the cheeks immediately and irrevocably makes you gay forever, including toilet paper. And she's so like, so glad that I brought this what? up. It, oh, it was amazing. Like you read. Um, some people think that shitposting online is a creative act. It's not. It's a mirror. No one's making this stuff up. You just find it and you think about it and it breaks you inside and then you give it back. But it's taken so long that people think that you're inventing it, but you're not. The world's just really fucked up. Yeah. We, we have all uh, undergone a process of jokification. And uh -huh. we really have no choice but to stand the uh, wipe your ass is gay guy. He, <laughs> he is a, a true king. I mean, come on. Let's, let's get a little chant going here. I say dudes, you say rock. Dudes. Rock. Dudes. <laughs> rock. rock. Yeah, okay. Dudes rock. Okay. So, so um, Kellen's book, Docile, is out on Tor Books. Uh, 
is it out now? Is it's in the shops? Yes, it came out on March third. March third. Yep. And um, uh, almost certainly going to be on year end lists for people. This is a really goddamn good book. Um, yeah. It feels like it's also going to have a lot of um, crossover with literary audiences as well as sci fi ones. It's really, just really good book. Yeah, damn, so, damn good book. Um, you've done more for the world almost than the, than the wiping your ass's gay guy. <laughs> oh um, man, I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he brought like, the heat, but you know, you all, you, you, you saw that, and you were like, "I rise to this challenge." Hmm. So, um, yeah, we, um, so yeah, folks, do go out and buy this. Um, don't listen to it on your Kindle with text to speech enabled. <laughs> listen to the audiobook. Yeah, the audiobook is really good, actually. I, I listened to it at one point five speed, so it sounded, it sounded like an anime because mm, everyone nice. was like shouting these really, uh, like emotional things to each other. And but really quickly, so it sounded like JoJo. It was really good, and um, yeah, the characters are incredible. Yeah, really good, really good acting on that as well. Um, so, yeah, folks, go and buy this. Um, we're going to play out the episode with probably one of the most interesting bands in the entire world, uh, Olva. Hmm? Sorry, Hanson. Olva. <laughs> oh, um, not Hanson. It was not handsome. <laughs> you, were, you were very close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, han- they're similar. They're close. Not quite Now there. they are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Olva started off as easily the best of the second wave Norwegian black metal bands. Uh, they didn't do any dodgy shit that we know of. Yeah. They Never basically invented... In, they basically invented what we think now of as black gays. I mean, no one was calling it that then, but you listen back to Bergtot now, and as much as people were like, oh, it's very folky, it's very... You listen to it now, and you're like, oh, shit, no, this is just... Yeah, this is everything that, like... Yeah, it's it's like what Burzum did with Philosophem, but I don't have to feel bad for hearing it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, because these are just solid, solid dudes. So not content to be the best black metal band in the world, they decided to just become the best synth-pop band in the world as well. Uh, after- well, they briefly made forays into being the best trip-hop band in the world as oh, well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the, the time when they were the best trip-hop band in the world. And kind and of when they made a... When they, were kind of like, when they, they were kind of like uh, Radiohead on Kid A, but also better... Yeah, with like the whole uh, blood inside, and then you know, then then they had their whole like uh, ambient rocker phase with uh, you know, Shadows of the Sun, and uh, they had that uh, collaborative record um, with Sun that was fucking fucking mm. great. They had, yeah, oh, it was yeah it's, constantly shape shifting, and all yeah. of their they put out a glitch techno record, and yeah. it was sick. It they was fucking out, sick. They put out a concept album about the assassination of julius caesar called the assassination of julius caesar and it well, was it's so kind good. of about that there's also a lot of stuff about like marilyn monroe and princess diane and it, it's more about um assassination of political figures i <laughs> my review of that is cited on wikipedia Ooh, nice <laughs> which was weird it was it was like when it clicked that i was like oh shit oh people pay attention to what i'm doing now this is weird <laughs> I better keep talking about Dracula and elves. Maybe Sounds, now it can finally penetrate. Where you draw your power from. So, Look, I, 
I, I talk about other things to get people to focus on the real topic. If we take DMT and listen to Bauhaus, will we see Machine Dracula? Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, Olver have a new uh, single out called Russian Doll. Uh, I'm not sure if this is going to lead into an album. Well, it probably will, but I don't. Oh, sorry, cut out there. Is everything nice. okay? Yeah, yeah now out? I can hear oh, you again. Okay. Um, yeah, Russian um, Doll. I, I can oh, spoil that. It, 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 it will uh, turn into an album. Excellent. Um, yeah, any Oliver album is, like a, is a huge thing. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like when um, Radiohead put out Kid A or any, it, it's a big thing. Um, yeah, absolutely stunning, stunning band who never put a foot wrong. Uh, Russian Doll is is one of the more synth poppy things. Kind of continues on from uh, Julius Caesar, and it just like yeah, it's just perfect synth synth pop. It's just like a really great Human League song. Um, and they have also look into the side projects that their uh, their other members are in. They recently brought in a guy. Um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's previously in a fusion group called Guapo um, that are very dark and, and proggy somewhere between like magma and King Crimson, but doing fusion. Um, uh, all, who is also in a group called Mercury, um, which is very like very dreamy, but like super intense synth pop. Um, like a bunch of like everything they touch, even inside project stuff fucking brilliant garm the vocalist obviously mm -hmm. is like a genius of like he was on the first couple arcturus records which are just fucking brilliant um yeah i think yeah. he was in Borknagar for a bit am i remembering correctly mm -hmm. something yeah but uh yeah anyway just just a phenomenal band um this is a great song russian doll um yeah we're gonna be back Next week, we're going to be talking about our other favorites topic, which is UFOs and communism. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be killer. Um, we're going to be doing. Uh, if you go, if you subscribe to our Patreon, we just finished a read through of the Invisibles. We're going to be uh, kind of uh, as a little amuse bouche at the end. We're going to be uh, reading the filth, um, which is. If you didn't like the last uh, bit of the Invisibles, you're not going to like the filth at all. Um, and if you did like it, you're going to be like, which is normal reaction to anything, really. Hovering over a sink, vomiting because I'm super stoked. Exactly. <laughs> rotating, always rotating, though. Always. <laughs> Just keeps twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs> and, um,. Yeah, we'll, so we'll be back next week with that. Uh, yeah, go on to the Patreon. Uh, follow Kellen on Twitter. Yeah, what, what, sorry, what's your what's your Twitter? What's your handle? My uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at KMSpera, which is K-M-S-Z-P-A-R-A. -A. Cool. Uh, we should get an Instagram one these days. Uh, we should. But, yeah. I just do the stories because they disappear in 24 hours. <laughs> You can put like gifts on them, and like they don't have to be beautiful, perfect photos, which I'm terrible at. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, I like making videos on Instagram where I just uh, I pointed at whatever and I talk about whatever. Solid. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we could do that. I'll set up the gram. I'll get us on the gram. 
and um, we'll become big bookfluencers. Uh, yeah. Oh, we should make a TikTok. <laughs> Ooh, you're very hip. Yeah, Gareth, we, should, I, we should become TikTok Wuhan team. Definitely. I, I could dance and like point to words. I could like, get coronavirus. I'm going to be your first follower on TikTok. Oh, thank you. That's, oh, thank you. I'm going to need that <laughs> when I have coronavirus. Yeah. Um, I'm going to become a coronavirus cam girl. Nice. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. Um, but yeah, here's Olfa with Russian Doll. Cool. 